Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is TV Take, Variety's television podcast. I'm Daniel Holloway. Today, Senior Features Editor Danielle Terciano talks with Tanya Siracho, Executive Producer of Stars' Vita. Later, critics Daniel D'Addario and Caroline Framke discuss Netflix's Tales of the City and HBO's Big Little Lies. Stay tuned. Hi, Tanya. Welcome to TV Take. Thanks Thank for being for here. Thank you for having me. So, season two of Vita, a lot happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is an expanded season from season one. And, I mean, obviously, you also are going much deeper in with, with Emma and Lynn's relationship and with some of the, like, bigness of the events that come up. So, walk us through, um, wh- you know, where you started. Did, I mean, do you start with the relationship and how you want to see that grow and then kind of work in the events around it? Do you start with, I know I want this tentpole event, like a wedding how does, how does this come about? Well, because the first season just felt like a three-hour pilot in a way, in lots of ways, that we this feels like now we're getting to go. Like, we're starting the, the story. Um, we sort of introduce the story, now we get going. So um, so it feels like that. And only nine days have passed between season one and season two. So, like, not a lot of movement. It, it, it's, it's, it's carrying on from, from the last, you know, the finale of, of season one. And yeah, we have 10 episodes, so it's like you can like expand the story a little more, like you said. Um, and I just wanted to continue that. Like that handshake it wasn't actually a handshake. It was like a, a, a tequila passing of the first, you know, um, <laughs> of the finale. But like that handshake that those girls have, what does that mean? So what we did is we um, got these consultants to do a business plan. As if La Chinita, the, the bar, were a real bar. You know they're never going to make it, right? Like, we realized <laughs> in five years, barely, they would start making money themselves. Yeah. It, I didn't know it was <laughs> when I wrote a... Uh, um, when we started writing this, I should have, like, researched more. My God, these 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 girls, especially the way that with the debt they have, right. they're, it's, it's impossible. So, like, coming in with Emma having gone to Chicago to do that analysis and coming back, is she still coming back to mm. do it? It... it, it in, in the first um, episode, she gets called out for it. This is an emotional decision, mm-hmm. Emma. Uh, and it is. A, a person that doesn't think of herself so emotional, but she mm-hmm. is. Um, so we, we what we did is we just went off this uh, business plan. Okay. We went face by face. I mean, it's very basic. It's like they... they when If you have no money to put in, or I, I think we, we, we put whatever Emma... You know, um, she, like, sold her car. She, like, liquidated some things. Um, we put that in and it's still like, uh, the first phase is like clean out the bar. So mm-hmm. two episodes are about that, mm-hmm. you know, and it, because some things are, um, have meaning, like there's, a, you know, an episode five where they actually sell the, um, the billers table mm-hmm. and that was the grandfathers and there's a whole like debate about it. Like Eddie does not want this moving, you know, that that's always been there, but, um, you know, they got a fine for, for you know, electrical, uh, you know, as they have to pay a fine and this is an answer. So, uh, but like, so it, it was amazing to be, have that map 
to mm. go because it's, it's full of obstacles. It's like we were reading this business plan. And it was like, oh my god, just hang up the towel now. Like, sell the building, ladies. You're never gonna. But no, but they really are committed. And but and also that. What does that mean for Lynn too? Like she. You know, we opened the, the show with the world's saddest orgy. That's what I wrote in the thing. <laughs> Welcome to the world's okay. saddest orgy in the script. Nice. And, and um, in fact, when we were shooting, I was like, it's too nice. Everyone's too looking, good looking. Hold on. Make it sadder. What if she throws up? Like, that we added. Yes, finally. Like, I feel like, you know, that little throw up moment. Uh-huh. I was like, because we start the season and these, you know, these people that, like, Lynn has steeped herself in this community. Uh-huh. These people um, have, it's at the end of the partying night. All the drugs are coming. You're coming down. So now you have the nausea, and like people starting to smell in that room. Like I wanted you to smell the realism. That room. Yeah, yeah, the realism. You have them. Yeah. So, but but you see that moment, and there's no words. Um, and Lynn, like, sort of like, I'm done with this face too. You know, she's mm-hmm. going by face, ready for the new face. She, mm-hmm. she she states it in the next scene, but like really, what you see is she sees the girl throw up. She's like, what am I doing here? Right. And she doesn't mean here in this place. She means in this in this like phase of my life um and then and she's really committed but then throughout the whole season nobody believes her yeah in her or believes that she can do it in the end i think she gets the win this season because her the, her idea worked she brought people in and the type of people that will keep coming and youth culture and stuff now are they chipsters fires? yes but you know it worked. She's. Got, I think for now the bar is go, is is going to be fine in that regard. Now are the people outside who are protesting? Will they stop protesting? That's what we have to see. So I want to go back to to her her idea, and because I want to talk to you about where that came from for you, how you found this type of community to bring into the show, the the, the music community. Yeah. yeah. So I was. Uh, I think we were uh, switching. Um, we were on set, and I was just hanging around while they were taking out the lights or something. And I was on stage, on that stage, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, we have a stage. Wait a minute. We have a stage. So this was this was last season at the end of uh, Like, we have to use the stage. And that, that also okay. was like, hold on. That's the whole element. It's not just music, because the discussion was like, open mic night. Uh, like, we have a stage. Um, and then it becomes a different kind of venue, too, you know? Um, so we partnered. This is the thing I'm most excited. Well, I'm excited about a lot of things, but <laughs> I'm excited about. Um, we partnered with this indie uh, label uh, called um, um, Pulse, and they uh, that we paired up with 11 female um, music creators. So like the producers, the artists, mm-hmm. and nine of them were Latina, mm-hmm. and they wrote most of the music of wow. Vida. And we're actually releasing a vinyl. We're dropping a vinyl. Very nice um, record and. Um, it's really exciting because they they are the show like mm-hmm. they're the same they're like in their twenties they're making the type of music that I was using last that means right. that that's why we partner with them because I was like I'm using a lot of this pulse music let's partner with them you know and that's exciting so like but w- I wanted to go one step more and um, people who we partner with like music musically um, last year Maria del Pilar Janina uh, de Marco. I put them on that stage this season, you know, so like we see them mm-hmm. and that's exciting to like, to introduce them to a new, new art. It's very meta, right? Because you're introducing them to this like true. F- fictional bar and now, but also to the world mm-hmm. in this, in this way. Um, so it, that's super exciting, you know? I, yeah. I mean, and it's interesting because having a stage, having that platform could make it feel very stunty. 
if you wanted to. You could kind of do that of the moment, bring in an act, but you tied it into the themes of the show, obviously, which is... Um, imagine what you would do going yeah. forward you would continue to use it in this way i think so and more like what how else could but in in a realistic way we the um east side love is a bar that we um we love um just as people that okay. really is there and the, and we're sort of watching who plays mariel pilar plays has a residency at oh, um wow. at east side love and i'm like well she would have a residency here you know, mm-hmm. and and we talk about Yanina Marco would have a residency. It it's so we're only going with the the size. Like we're staying kind of true to life. Like what could this bar actually hold mm-hmm. and invite and 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 support? So yes, and and hopefully, if I get a third season, right now we have no word. We have to just be out. You know, I think they mm-hmm. have to see how it does. Um, when. It, when I should start saying when we have a that's third true, season, right? Yeah, like you, you have to manifest, it, and then it happens. When we have a third season, I hope to use it more, especially because Nico, this new character that I'm um, so in love with, um, she's a writer. And I wonder how else, because mm. um, spaces of this size sometimes have, um, also there's, could be drag. It's true. It I opens mean, the whole mm-hmm, world mm-hmm. up a little yeah. bit. So, and drag kings. We haven't, we haven't seen that many drag kings on TV. Um, the Chicago drag kings used to be like this amazing like, like, have you seen a, a drag king show? I have not, not it's, in person. I've seen some stuff like clips on yeah. the internet, obviously. But and the, there's a community here um, mm-hmm. that that I, I've started paying attention to. I'm like, I'm going to reach into those yeah. drag kings. Yeah. Nice. So like, there's uh, we have a stage, but it it would never be like, I don't know, like a huge performer right. comes. That it would be like, uh, what? Who would actually perform at this? If this barn did exist. Right. And you mentioned, obviously, the protests at the end of the finale, yeah. but there's also a wedding in the, in the season. Like, it, yes. it, it feels very balanced in the sense of, like, there's a lot of things to celebrate this season, but there's also a lot of complications. Right. And I, I don't know if trauma is too strong a word, but hardships. Well, well so tell me about yeah. the, how you wanted to balance that um, for the, the overall season. I mean, do you pick certain moments where you feel like, as you mentioned with Lynn earlier, you need to see a character have a win? Yeah, we so like we when we early days like the first two weeks of the room we map out like and it was the thing Lynn wins at the end, okay. but she has to struggle for that sure. win, right? So we just knew that we were leading to this moment where the two where she you know her sister saves her from the protesters. They come in, wash out the detergent, and then they see and it's a sea of people. There's so mm. many people, and Emma finally at the end goes. You've done good, Lynn. Mm-hmm. And she just bursts. She uh, Lynn just just cries, and then we pull we pull away. Like that's the win yeah. that Lynn. Her mother never told her, to, and so it it's a big moment for her. So we knew we wanted to earn that, okay. but we also needed to earn Emma seeing that because mm-hmm. you know she's so unwilling to see anybody success, mm-hmm. like like doing anything right by her. So <laughs> you know, but we we like last um last season she was so about the building and the stuff that we also wanted yeah. to. Give her this character, Nico. So we made Nico. She's like my dream girl that we made in the lab. Okay. Like, I mean, that's the the gift of a writer. Yeah. You get to create Your, what you yeah. want to see in the world. Yes. So we, and it was funny because like we would, um, we had this, I, I knew, I, sometimes I shower and then something comes and then I mm-hmm. come into the room and I'm like, you guys, I'm sorry to tell you that Mari is getting back with Tlaloc. No, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. She told, she spoke to me in the shower. Same thing with Nico. I was like. I know how Nico's introduced this. She, it's a vaquero wedding, so it's a cowboy, mm-hmm. like Mexican. So she, she's the best man. Um, it's all queer. So it's like, you know, we, ha- we had this uh, drag queen named Quesadilla. 
Kesa, Tia, yeah. and she is do- dancing the the quebradita, which is like a uh, our version of country. Um, but it's a lot of carrying, and she's ca- she's tall, and she's carrying a, a small like a a small person, you know. <laughs> and it's really it's just a really funny um like to switch the gender roles, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I guess I'm gonna do that. What was I saying? <laughs> oh, earning oh earning it with Emma, uh, earning it with Emma, and we give her this dream girl. It's, I mean, my dream girl. But, um, and played by Roberta Colindres, who was in I Love Dick. Mm-hmm. She played um, Dylan in I Love Dick. And I've worked with her in theater. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I know her. And I just knew when we were crafting, I was like, she's the perfect to play this dream girl. And the 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 first time we meet her, I, kept, I came into the writer's room. And I was like, okay, so she has her vaquero hat. And, you know, when she finally, Emma confuses her for, um, for the bartender. But then she realizes she comes, gets her hat, and then she goes, ladies and she like tips her hat mm. like this and I kept doing it for months she's gonna be ladies <laughs> and she tips her hat like this so the day we're shooting it Roberta um, comes so apparently I'm supposed to tip my hat a certain way <laughs> everyone told me you haven't seen Tanya do the ladies thing and I was like yes this is a hat reading I'm about to give you, you know, and it, she is and she's such dreamy I think she's so dreamy in it but we give we give her to Emma that sounds well, like, but like Emma get um gets a friend and actually yeah. you think and oh she, it, Nico is attracted to her and it's not even that it's like she wants nothing from Emma and we have nuts and Emma doesn't right. know what to do with that right like especially because she's queer she's like come on you must want to and no she just wants to help Emma she likes Emma mm-hmm. which is such a weird feeling that somebody actually likes me you know um so that I, I love seeing the slow burn mm-hmm. all the way till the the 10th you know episode um when they do, oh, that was such a amazing scene to shoot. Um, when they do, and you in were the directing bathroom. it. Yes, it was Ava Vernovsky, who is queer. Me, my first idea is a queer woman. Second idea of queer woman. We were in there, in this tiny bathroom, sort of like it, it was like the safest. It, it, mm. I really were like this is something historic about all these queers, like really taking care of these two, you know actors um and it's very intimate very beautiful i i i loved um i love that scene yeah um talking about the slow burn i want to go back to the sisters though because their relationship obviously any sisters you're going to ebb and you're going to flow but it it, they have had what i what i think is this extremely unique journey and i say this as somebody who doesn't have a sister so maybe Mm -hmm. i'm looking at this and not projecting certain things or projecting things that I want to see, et cetera. But it feels like there's sometimes quiet acceptance. But as you mentioned at the end, there's verb- she finally verbalizes it. Yeah. What was the journey like to get them to that place? We, um, a lot of us in the writer's room have um, just tough relationships with our siblings, you know? Um, so it, it just rang true that you... Sometimes they're not your biggest fans and supporters, you know, like your siblings. But, um, but like in the last moment, they're your ride or dies when it matters, you mm-hmm. know. So like we so we wanted to embody that, but we also needed them to get to know each other. There, there's that um, that scene when they're in the car and they start singing together, and they both start. It's like one of those like classic. We're gonna sing in the car, Emma too, you know, because they find their old. Um, you know, they're, they're old CDs, like old, like <laughs> uh, when you could burn your own CDs yep. type of thing. And so they play them and they, and that's like a moment that we've been wanting since season one. Cause, mm. 
because they do they do love each other and they do like they are each other's people there's a couple of moments too also when uh, um the the zombie uh, moment of, of of the second episode you know where she's like you know would you kill me if i were a zombie mm-hmm. and she's like i kill you and she the way she looks <laughs> at her is like you get me right you're my person then you know, not but so 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 we're all there's all these moments that they mm-hmm. build. Um, there's a locket that they that that um that Lynn finds and then she sees that it's her mother's um mm. face in it and she tells and you know they have a really funny um, scene on the couch of the of of the um, office where they're they're bonded. You're like okay, these are sisters. Like it's great. And then it all goes away when right. she finds the you know when Emma finds uh, the credit card stuff and you and hopefully. It, it, it cost us as an audience to be like, oh, no, no, no. Right. Because they, they need each other. Just, they have nobody else, mm-hmm. you know. Um, they need each other so much. So we watch them for um, a, three episodes, really, be, um, go at it alone. But it's it's tough because they're going at it alone, and but they have a like this joint, you know, responsibility, mm-hmm. this bar, uh, this building. So, um, you know, it, it, we just want it to be as messy as real life mm-hmm. is. And so, so when we... We're crafting it. We did reach a lot into just moments of our our lives with our siblings. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it does seem also like for Emma specifically, she had a she clearly had a wall up when we first met her yeah. last year. I would argue that she probably had most of that wall up all the way through last yeah. season. And this Even, season, yeah. But well, I was actually going to say I feel like there yes, this yeah. year there were things that. At least for the audience, yeah. we saw through it a little bit more, and maybe that's because we know her better. But I'm wondering, from your perspective, how much of it is she's changing in this new environment, or she's letting, or is it she's letting down her guard and showing us her true self? So what happened? We break her at the end. We bre- um, uh, uh, she she breaks because Emma is used to controlling every aspect mm-hmm. of her life, and the ones that she can't, she just dust away with shuts down mm-hmm. but it, especially in business and in her job she is not used to losing she's like just been winning and she keep they keep losing you know because it's like like i said that plan that business plan even if you follow it to a t something would go wrong you know um and so we see her broken not just you know when bako calls her out mm. about being a shitty person nico's girlfriend showing up her relationship with her sister broken she left everything that was working and was right and so we leave her broken, like, what am I even doing here? That's that, in the penultimate episode. That's we, we, she breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's something she had to go through. Let someone in, like Nico, as a friend. So, you know, let someone in and also be reflected by, through, you know, by her actions through Baco and be like, yeah, the way you treat, actually, the way you treat cis men is really shitty. Or just anyone who's trying to get close to you in that way. Right. So that all that is, um, I think, needs to happen for her to have any growth. Now, it's, you know, in real life, our growth is not like in the movies. It's always like, and now <laughs> right. she's fixed, you know. <laughs> but it's it's little things. It's yeah. about um, you see her smile more this season, and you. Um, and, but that grows too. And it's when we were editing, we were always like, it's so weird to see Emma smile because we're not mm. used to that, you know. Um, she's like a passive face all the time, but like the smiles that they would yeah. free, but, but it, there are genuine smiles that are happening to this character, you know, yeah. but we were not used to, even in editing. We were like, oh, or yeah. even like how she lets another character. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but yeah, so we, I feel like she had to get broken. Get, 
I'd get off her high horse, but what, whatever, whatever, wherever, whatever she had built around herself, mm-hmm. you know, so that she could get to that moment and tell her sister, mm-hmm. basically, subtext, I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. I see you. Um, you know, it, it, both of them had to go through that thing. Lynn had to build herself up by herself in, in despite of like no one believing in her mm-hmm. and being told multiple times, stick to being pretty, mm. which is what her mother used to tell yeah. her. Um, you know, people were asking, what about Lynn? What, what was her relationship with her mother? I'm like, give me another season and I'll tell you. And this season <laughs> we tell you, you know, I needed to, you know, six no, episodes. Right. You like, need the time you know? to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And we really concentrated for season on Emma's because that, that's fucked up. Yeah. You know? Like the mom sending her away when she was queer. Right. Um, the hypocrisy in our right. culture. Um, but that's, you know, that sets our, our, our show off. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's our default and that we just keep following. She's, she stays angry at her mother, but yet she, the, you know, her relationship with Eddie yeah. is like, you know, that's her mother by proxy a little bit, but also, yeah. And, and that's a defender of her mother's like legacy to mm-hmm. Eddie. So like it's, it's, um, it's complicated, but yet there's Eddie and she's, if, if you are married and if you are family, then I will feed you. You know, right. that's, that's kind of, that's noble. Nobody's telling Emma that that's noble, but that's true. Noble. Yeah, she's feeding these people like, and they're just eating the food right. and paying for them and whatever else they need. And it's like, but no one ever. I I could see Emma's frustration of like these two, like freeloaders, <laughs> right? Like, you know, um, especially one that's sick that we need to provide like care, and that's yeah. that's you know, difficult. and that's I mean, so you ended. I mean, you ended the first season on a extremely dramatic, and I will say traumatic moment here with what happened to Eddie. Yeah, um, hate crime. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, obviously, we see the repercussions of that in the season because it is so soon after. But then you also end the season with a big protest, which equally tra- yeah. maybe not equally, maybe maybe well, that's for unfair, their place, very their traumatic in its yeah. own way. Um, what is, what is the genesis behind that? What is like, why do you feel you, you want to go so big at the end of your seasons? Um, I think we've always, since, since La Chinche, since Mari met the girls, I feel, and, and realized what they're doing. Um, they're going to shift, culturally shift that bar, mm. we were always going to have this protest. Like, mm. the, the neighborhood was... Uh, th- this faction of the neighborhood was always going to come for them. Like, we were just working towards that. We knew, okay. I knew at the beginning of this season that there was they were going to come for them. Because now you know that they are, in some ways, personas non gratas, you know, in yeah. this um, neighborhood. Um, it's clear. The line has been drawn... Um, so, so in that, I think that would be a very real thing. A, a lot yeah. of these na- um, um, businesses that opened that sort of invite um, uh, just a new clientele into the neighborhood have been protested, mm-hmm. you know, uh, coffee shops and bars and uh, restaurants. Um, so I think that that is the part of like me yeah. telling a story that is happening yeah. you know, right now. Yeah, and with the tactics that they do, uh, the d- detergents. Uh, that's what I was gonna say. How yeah. much of it is pulled from things you've it seen? Is. Um, um, so when uh, when some of these groups were were um, uh, protesting and resisting uh, the galleries that mm-hmm. that that moved in, and the, and and they mean, it's true. The galleries move in. They um, 
show all these New York artists. They don't mm. reach into the community. It's sort of it's it it it, 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 it does make sense like to be upset about that, you know. Um, and they they would go into these um, like when you're having the reception and mm-hmm. throw detergent mm-hmm. like um, powder. And I was like, I you know not just because visually that's a really cool moment, but also. Okay, and that's very singular to this area. That, yeah. So let's show that to the yeah. world. You know, um, it's complicated because I don't. I never want to take sides, and that's why I want um, money to always exist. You know, yeah. in that in that side, it's a complicated thing that they're doing. They want they're thinking about their own legacy and their you know their business, but it will affect the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like those. Um, those chipsters that uh, and hipsters that start coming in that that is what they're protesting they're right. like you're bringing these people and they're they're just going to change the neighborhood it's it's real i don't know how it, on 10 because it was just that that first protest i'm i'm doing both sides i i think i'm just seeing the reaction mm-hmm. you know hopefully if i get a third season mm-hmm. we can really get in there yeah um cuz it's complicated you know i i don't know we've we've been protested um and and i understand the film, you mean because the filming? We've been protested. Like, they've come to mm-hmm. protest us um, when we film in Boyle mm-hmm. Heights, um, online. Um, and I just have to say, okay, I get it. Like, yeah. I, I do. We are big trucks, Hollywood yeah. trucks, coming into your neighborhood. I, I mean, any neighborhood in L.A., but, like, sure. yeah. you. But it's, right, just, it's a threat here because displacement and erasure mm-hmm. are real, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just very meta. Um, actually, yeah. we were... We were shooting that on, on the top of, of the second episode where they're where like they're they're actually protesting. They yeah. go, and they go. We were shooting that as we were being protested oh, physically, wow. and because we look like our background actors look like the neighborhood, we had to wear this thing because we didn't know who was because we who was who because we had these protesters and then we had real protesters. Right. It was the most met. I was like, oh my god. Well, I'm. They want it, you know, stars commissioned a true to life, like, right. topical. I was going to say, it yeah. all lends itself yeah. to the, the groundedness yeah. of the storytelling. And I think in some ways, you know, it proves, hey, this is real. This is why we need to tell these stories, because this is happening. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you. So great for to have you. Netflix's revival of Tales of the City debuts June 7th on the streaming service second season of HBO's Big Little Lies makes its premiere June 9th. Caroline Framke and Daniel D'Addario discussed both shows. All right, so this week we are talking about two somewhat unexpected returns of limited series from the past. Uh, The first of them is Tales of the City, which uh, began its life on television in the early 90s. Uh, There were several iterations of miniseries about the lives and loves of the inhabitants of an apartment complex in San Francisco. Those were all period pieces. They were all taking place prior to when they aired. Uh, The new Tales of the City updates the story for 2019, brings it into the present. And Caroline, we've both watched this, but I'd be curious to hear how you've been liking the episodes you've seen of the Netflix iteration of Tales of the City. Yeah, I was really excited about these uh even before I watched them, I knew who was involved. Uh, Lauren Morelli of Orange is the New Black is show running this iteration, apparently because she was brought in very early um, to sort of nail the voice of a younger queer woman played by Ellen Page uh, in this and then sort of ended up show running it, which mm-hmm. is kind of a fun trajectory for her. 
Um, and Laura Linney is back and executive producing. Olympia Dukakis is back. Um, I think they shot a lot in New York because they were like, we'll go to you, Olympia, wherever you are. <laughs> we'll make it work. Um, so there are a lot of people reprising their roles. And then one actor who I was really excited to see in the role of an original character, he's playing it for the first time, is Marie Bartlett from Looking. He's really good in it. Yeah, he's terrific, actually. And um, the actor playing his younger boyfriend, people will recognize from Russian Doll. Oh, Charlie Barnett, he's so good in this. And actually, their relationship, I think, speaks to a lot of what this um, version of Tales of the City can do really well. Um, Charlie Barnett is obviously much younger than Marie Bartlett. Maybe not obviously, if you haven't seen it. Um, so they have a lot of clashes a little bit um, where one can't quite understand where the other's generation is coming from. You know, uh, so Murray Bartlett plays Mouse, who's this um, very beloved original character from Armistead Maupin's books. And he's lived through a lot. And a lot of his friends have lived through the AIDS crisis and are obviously very protective of what they've gained in the years since. And his boyfriend, Ben, is from this new generation, this new sort of generally freer generation. Uh, the fact that we're even calling them queer people speaks to a change that has happened <laughs> since the original Tales of the City aired. Um, and there's a really good and interesting scene with the two of them going to a dinner party with Mouse's older friends. And they kind of have this conversation that I don't think many shows on TV are trying to do, wouldn't be able to do, um, where they talk about that. They talk about the intergenerational um, friction. And there is something really fascinating about watching that play out in this way. Cause I think even the original tales of the city, I watched a few of them. They're available on acorn if you're looking for <laughs> them. Uh, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> they are really, you know, they're, they're pretty soapy. And um, I don't know. I think seeing this new, seeing the old characters come in and, grapple with the queer community circa 2019, I think is a really good and worthy reason to come back. I don't know if you feel yeah, the same way. I, I, when you were saying that you didn't think any other show on television could have these conversations on such an elevated level, I was thinking that I was actually surprised that even this show, because like mm -hmm. you, I watched the first Tales of the City in preparation for this. I missed it. Uh, the first time around, uh, I was like five. Um, <laughs> like I just, it was, I'm, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it was same. Um, but it was just interesting to see a show that was so different from this show that's on Netflix now. It was so kind of really fun for what it was and well made. And I think for its time, actually quite daring. Mm -hmm. But both the issues of the day were different. It was, as I was saying, also dealing with the issues of the 70s. It's set pre-AIDS. And also it just approaches its story more as a kind of drama of self-discovery than as an issue-driven drama. And the main storyline is actually that of a straight woman finding herself with queer and trans friends. Um, and so this one kind of really decenters the straight woman character, Laura Linney's character, who is wonderful, but she's no longer the kind of center of the narrative. And I'm really surprised and impressed that uh, these kind of rock solid characters who were previously used in an interesting but very of its time way could be kind of just reformatted and moved all around the map 
to make room for these new characters. I thought it was really elegantly done. Yeah, um, a couple of the newer residents to the apartment complex that forms the heart of the show. Um, I really like there's a a new trans man who's trying to figure out his sexuality after transitioning and his girlfriend who previously or still identifies as a lesbian trying to figure out what that means. And that in its of itself was alluded to in the books a little bit, but again, is a thing that I haven't really seen on TV. And another um, thing I think that speaks to what this iteration of Tales of the City is trying to do is um, the eighth episode is actually a flashback to the sixties for Olivia Dukakis' character, who is a trans woman. And obviously, uh, Morelli has actually said that if they were casting her role now, they would cast a trans woman. But obviously, that was not the case in 94. Um, But playing her in the flashback is Jen Richards, who's a wonderful trans actress. um, And her friends are played also by trans women, including Daniela Vega of A Fantastic, Fantastic Woman, which is a really good movie. If you haven't seen it, seek it out. Um, So there is still, I think that episode also really shows what they're trying to do here, which is they're still honoring the original characters and the spirit of the original show while also adjusting to sort of make it more 2019. Yeah, and I would just say I admire Mopan's graciousness, I guess maybe would be the word I would use, in allowing his kind of fictional world that really he is the driving and unsoul kind of creative force behind historically to be expanded, including in ways that ne- are maybe are not necessarily intuitive to him. Um, casting no aspersions is just that obviously these are the concerns of generations younger than his. He was always writing about a past that was even earlier than the period of time in which he was writing, which was before a lot of the complications that have happened uh, in the last 20 years. And I think that it's great that he is kind of making room for these perspectives. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, well, I actually do have an interview with one of the producers coming later. And he talked a lot about that and how they made sure to have like an all queer writers room. And they were really trying to um, they're really trying to do that. And I think it shows. Um, yes. Yeah, so another. <laughs> <laughs> Again, here yeah, we go. Here's, the here's a great segue. Um Another show that has, is opening up its world to new characters and their oh, experiences nicely done. is Big Little Lies, which introduces uh, another Academy Award winning actress into its ensemble. Meryl Streep. Heard of her. Yeah, plays. Uh, is she still Nicole Kidman's mother-in-law if the husband is dead? She, her former mother-in-law who enters the scene and kind of stirs up a whole new batch of drama on the second season of what had been intended as a limited series. So Caroline, you reviewed the show for us. I did. You reviewed Big Little Lies season two. I did. Where, where, where are you on it? Having seen the first three? Yes. After the first three. Um, well, let me first say that I, I think I did literally write a piece after the first season saying, please do not come back for more. This was perfect. Um, and I, I stand by the fact that I think the ending of the first season was extremely well done and, if it had left there, I would have been completely satisfied. Um, the second season definitely works hard to prove why it should come back. Um, and I will say that this is also a year in which I've been proved wrong on a lot of second seasons where I thought it shouldn't come back. And then it came back and was great. I'm thinking specifically of Fleabag and Barry. Um, and I think that there is something really interesting about the show sifting through what turns out to be really hard aftermath of this 
of well i mean if if you're listening to this you know someone died in big little lies sifting through the aftermath of this death and what it means and how to move forward and what you know unearthing all these truths actually would do to these women and i think that it is really admirable that they are committing to that because that's a hard that's a hard thing luckily they have an incredible cast as always um in particular i am hoping that this is reese witherspoon's year uh nicole kimman rightly got most of the uh, understandably got most of the attention last with the first season, but I think what Witherspoon does with her character is pretty remarkable. But honestly, every other scene, one of them is stealing it, you know? And Streep is so good. She's I, really good, I just, and I wasn't sure what to expect. No, I mean, you saw, so you saw the first episode, yes. and there's some really good interactions between her and Witherspoon's character in particular, but she's so odd. She's so unsettling. She's playing like a real character. I kind of wasn't sure if because her persona as herself is so great, she would just kind of step in and just kind of do Meryl, which would have been fine in its own way, but it would not have really been the show. And instead, she's created this completely idiosyncratic, incredibly passive-aggressive, kind of neurotic and odd and designed to needle at Nicole Kidman in every possible way. Woman who just isn't really like anyone she's played in recent memory. No. And that's, so that's great. I think she immediately justifies jumping on to the show. Uh, Every interaction anyone has with her is very, um, it's very distinctive. Everyone has sort of a different dynamic with her and she really does shake up things in a very, in a very, um, I keep using like disquieting because it, it, she is so unsettling. She just gets under your skin and gets under their skin. Um, well, there are a lot of scenes, at least in the first episode of the season, which is all I have seen so far, that are kind of, you know, the death is kind of out of people's minds. Mm-hmm. They're continuing to just live their lives, getting back into their routines and their normal quotidian problems. And then she'll just like pop up and be kind of this living muttering stuttering reminder yes Yes. of all of the great big problems looming for them and it's just it really she really is just a remarkable kind of troublemaker yes um and thinking about it now that she is kind of the unifier of the show at this point again i've only seen three episodes but one thing that did strike me about the premiere particular is that if you watch the first season, the end of the first season, which again, they thought was going to be the only season ended with the five women sort of making this united front. And it seemed like they were going to be bonded together in this trauma and kind of move forward together as a unit. And this new season comes back and really immediately dispels that notion. Um, Everyone is pretty scattered and in their own heads. um, And that is pretty jarring. And I think Personally, I missed them having scenes together. They felt it felt very separated. Um, I'm assuming that that changes over the course of the season. Um, but I'm, I've been trying to articulate this because I feel like in the two years since the first season came out, Big Little Lies has become this phenomenon, this like really big um, showcase for these powerhouse actresses and in my head it's lived on as you know these amazing gifts these little tiny moments where they all nail these incredibly small facial expressions or you know get some wonderful sharp quip out but watching it again i was like oh right this is actually very much for the most part a quiet drama 
about trauma. Yes. It's, it's <laughs> honestly the moments that most people talked about in the first season. And the reason I think that Kidman was the person who kind of walked away with a lion's share of the kind of conversation around the first season is those scenes with her therapist, mm -hmm. which are not maybe what the show initially advertised itself on. It was a bit of a Trojan horse uh, about, you know, a lot of people read it as like, oh, real estate porn with like famous ladies. And in fact, there was this kind of thing bubbling under the surface. Now it kind of, the cat's out of the bag. We all know that that's what the show's about. And I think if anything, uh, the promise of a second season, which I agree with you probably should never have happened in the first place, is the chance for the show to exist more fully as itself. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what people are going to think about it. I think no matter what, it's going to be a huge topic of conversation. So I'm excited to hear more from everyone on that front. And until then, there's always more TV where that came from. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with Alan Pohl of Tales of the City. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.